Hello and welcome to the Elder Tree podcast. My name is Twiggy Dawn, founder of the Elder Tree and Alcamilla Herbals. You are listening to the Herbal Educators segment, where each new moon I will be inviting a series of guests to chat about the world of herbal education, about their passions and motivations, and their dreams for the future of herbal medicine in Australia. In today's episode, I interview my partner, Sam Marsh, from Innately Wild and Primal Humanness, who has been running wild plant foraging walks and tincture making workshops for the past three years at our home in Ravenshoe. In this interview, Sam shares his uh, mentors and inspirations, such as Koa Winsong, Kevin Kasawan, Arthur Haynes, and even myself. He speaks of his biggest inspirations being people who, who have a deep connection to their local ecology. Sam became a herbal educator out of a necessity to fulfill a need in the local far north Queensland community. He shares his passion for helping to show people how to feel more of a part of nature and find their place in their local ecology. Uh, assisting people to feel empowered um, in identifying and utilizing food and medicine that is growing all around them. In this interview, Sam shares his vision for the Earth Skills School, which will be set up at the Elder Tree. And we also discuss our unified dreams for the future of herbal medicine education in Australia. I really enjoyed this interview, though I must admit it was a massive challenge because we had kids just walking into the room throughout the whole interview and bouts of uncontrollable laughter and just all of the external noises um, in our you know home environment which has a lot of wildlife and a lot of distractions so I had to do quite a bit of editing. I apologize in advance for the the glitches with the the editing. I'm still learning how to do this um, use all of this technology and uh, it's a great learning experience but I really enjoyed myself and uh, I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as I did in um, in doing the interview with Sam so you can find Sam's offering in the show notes and um, yeah I hope that you enjoy it good morning Sam Thanks for joining me here today in our apothecary on this summer's day to be interviewed on the Elder Tree podcast. Thanks for having me on my first ever podcast interview. Well, well it's an honour to get to be your first first interviewee. <laughs> so the main reason I wanted to invite you here today to interview you is because you're the only herbal educator that I know that has been self-taught. And um, I think that's a really, a really great thing to, um, to explore. Uh, so I'd love to talk to you about, to start off with, I'd love to talk to you about who have been your um, mentors in the world of herbal medicine. Um, yeah, any teachers and who, who's been your biggest inspiration and mentors in the world of herbal medicine? When it comes to mentors and inspiration, I don't have too many. You know, um, I will say that Koa Winsong, who you know personally, mm -hmm. he was probably the first major instigator towards, I guess, me exploring herbalism, especially wild herbalism. 
and then becoming a herbal educator, as you put it, although I wouldn't consider myself that. But Koa Winsong is, has probably been the only, I guess, in-person uh, mentor or inspiration, which to me is quite sad. <laughs> but yeah, that's just the way that it is. And also there's a few people who I've met online who I now stay um, in communication with, but Arthur Haynes would be one of them. He lives over in America and he is a botanist. And so his understanding, his understanding of the ecology that he lives is super inspiring to me. And he knows a lot about not only the native plants over there, but also the indigenous names for them, which to me is super inspiring. Mm. And also, a lot more recently, there is uh, like an online, um, I guess, TV show, if you'd call it that, an, an online series called From the Wild that the producer and the videographer, I think that's the right word, Kevin Kosowan, he, um, yeah, that whole series plus Kevin as a person are super inspiring to me also. Um, once again, predominantly because of their relationship to ecology, which is something like a major source of inspiration for me. And throughout this, uh, throughout this interview, you'll probably hear me refer to the word ecology a lot, but those two, Kevin Kosowan, Arthur Haynes, um, but Cole Winsong being the in-person person. person. (laughs) Um, I also, I will say you have definitely been an inspiration and a big teacher of mine teaching me particular ways of preparing herbs we met seven years eight years ago now it's seven or eight years ago but i think you were also one of the first people that that i met that you know herbs were like your life and you were still to this day you're probably the person who gets the most excited about herbs that i know and even though we have different, um, like different passions in the realm of herbalism, you've definitely inspired me to learn more. And you yourself have taught me a lot about herbalism and in particular, how to make and prepare specific medicines from herbs. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I actually only just realized that just now, as you asked me, I was like, Oh, right. Okay. Actually, Twiggy, you've been a major source of inspiration and a teacher. Thank you. Well, that's really nice to receive. (laughs) So, yeah. So it's interesting, you know, you talked about um, Koa Winsong and and as well, it's something I haven't thought about uh, myself, that he was actually probably the first in-person person to teach me about plant medicine as well you know around um about 13 years ago i went on a on a kind of survival slash foraging uh kind of weekend course thing with him and um and he was the first person to start teaching me in person about identifying medicine and how to how to how to work with it um in my local you know jungle ecology at the time um, so yeah, that thanks for reminding me of that, and yeah, that that point that you made at that unfortunately he's your only in person, real teacher like that. 
you know, that's you're saying that because there's no one else in far north Queensland, um, you know, especially since he left six years ago or so. Um, there's been no one else in north Queensland that's been teaching particularly wild identification of medicinal plants. You know, it seems like uh, your, your workshops have massively come out of a real necessity and, you know, there's a real need uh, in, the, in the local community. And yeah, there's, no one, there's no one here doing that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so good on you for, like, for, for picking that up, even if you hadn't had um, any kind of official training, you know, um, you've been, been teaching, doing your workshops for, you know, two years now? Probably going on three yeah, two to three years. Yeah, mm. and they're really, there's really highly sought after, you know, and they're, mm. they're really like important. It's really important information, mm. I think, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people think in the area. So yeah, good on you for not, uh, for just, just being, you know, predominantly being self-taught and just doing it, you know, um, really teaching people really important, important information. So yeah. Um, so what made you, you know, you had that, that deep learnings with um, Koa and with myself and, you know, you've had your online mentors as well with, um, you know, with Kevin Kasselwan and Arthur Haynes. Um, but what has made you want to start teaching? Like what made you want to start sharing what you've learned with others? Well, as you said, it sort of came out of necessity, really. I mean, if I'm totally honest, I don't. Like, I wish I didn't have to teach these things. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, really out of necessity because there's different, I guess, different viewpoints that I have on why I teach these workshops. One of them being is that, you know, people aren't overly sufficient, community or self-sufficient these days, and a lot of people are reliant on really crappy food systems and healthcare and a healthcare system that is just not designed to actually (laughs) not designed to actually keep people healthy yeah so I guess a bigger vision that I have is for humans to become self or community sufficient again in lots of different ways and uh, I guess letting go of a reliance on the this food system and this healthcare system that I speak of. Um, not saying that those things are inherently bad. However, what they do is they create, they create a bit of a, I guess a bit of a weakness in communities is that if we're reliant on these things, then what happens when those things aren't operating to their full potential? Well, you know, we're greatly impacted. So... Yeah, I guess community sufficiency or self-sufficiency, as some people put it, is a really big reason why I teach them. But also my major passion is connecting to ecology. And so my the group Primal Humanness that I run, uh, what I say is exploring the primal origins of our humanity to bridge the ecological gap between humans and nature. And... You know, most people are aware that there's a huge ecological gap between humans and nature now. So a passion of mine is to help to remind people that we are inherently part of ecological systems. And by utilising, you know, by, by finding our place within an ecology is super empowering 
for people to be able to walk out into their backyard or walk out into that forest or to walk out into wild landscapes and to know plants or animals or fungi, you know, to know how to feed themselves and how to make medicine to heal themselves. Super empowering. And I think that's where, I know I'm rambling here, but I think human empowerment in wild landscapes is something that I'm really passionate about. And like I said, I wish I didn't have to teach these workshops because I wish that humans were just, that we were already connected, again, reconnected. So, yeah. Does that answer my question? Yeah, yes, most definitely. Yeah, yeah it's okay. beautiful. I'm just getting to the core of your intentions behind becoming a herbal educator. And so, yeah, it would seem that your intentions are wanting to empower people to become more self-sufficient and community-sufficient um, and less reliant on the, the mainstream medical system um, for their own health and, yeah, wanting to really see that empowerment. And I, I love um, the term you said, the, the community-sufficiency, like... I remember you coming up with that in a conversation we had and maybe probably someone somewhere else in the world has come up with it before. It might not be completely unique. I don't think I came up that, with it. <laughs> yeah, but in that moment, like you'd never heard the term, I'd never heard the term and it was just like, it just kind of blew my world apart actually because it was, I'd been for years doing this whole wanting to get people self-sufficient with herbal medicine, uh, but what you're, you know, with with that statement like what it's saying is like community sufficiency so we're we're as a as an ecology as you know as a as a kind of symbiotic organism altogether we're creating sufficiency rather than Mm -hmm. that that mindset of um every man for themselves and people just focusing on their own self-healing it kind of really denotes an idea of um us all kind of being responsible for one another and learning that healing for one another and that's you know that's so beautiful because even you know someone comes along to one of your workshops and might learn about you know plantain um and and then save someone's life Mm -hmm. you know uh, with that you know and they're not just coming for their own self-benefit and their self-sufficiency that's going to ripple out and then they might show their children how to use that plantain and then you know the, the the bridge that 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 gap starts to get smaller and smaller as as that knowledge gets passed on and you know, and you, you're just playing a part in in the in creating that future where we don't need people running workshops, where it mm-hmm. becomes common knowledge. So, yeah, you've, it seems like you're playing a part in yeah, really bridging that, really bridging that, and helping people to reconnect and re-remember how to work with medicine that's all around them. So, yeah, it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you explained it quite well. I still struggle when people ask me questions like that to actually like eloquently and elaborately explain because to me a lot of it is more like feeling I guess is you know I find it hard to actually use words to explain my bigger visions in the world (laughs) Mm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah I suppose you can just paint paint the picture of the world you want to see you want to be a part of a world where we all that becomes common knowledge again and we've Mm. reclaimed or remembered or been retaught all of that that 
knowledge that our, you know our ancestors if you look back far enough they mm. would have just had that knowledge so yeah it's kind of you know and that's the beautiful thing with like that, that primitive focus you know, or, you know primal humanness of like looking back at that that time where we did have that connection mm. and and kind of i suppose being a part of, of creating a future where we can have that connection again have that knowledge again and be empowered in our own health and um yeah be able to take care of ourselves and one another so mm. yeah we're creating a stepping stone, an important bridge and stepping stone towards working towards that. Yeah, yeah, it's like looking backwards to pave the way to, uh, I guess, a better future for humanity that in turn will have a better future for our ecological systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, what has been, you know, we kind of like we've looked at what your intentions are behind doing these workshops and teaching people these things. But um, what has been, I suppose, in the last three years, what have been some of the the hidden gems or unexpected uh, benefits uh, that you've found in doing these workshops and teaching people? Hmm, that's a really good question. I actually haven't haven't thought about that. Obviously with each workshop I do, I feel a lot more confident in my, uh, in the knowledge that I have and my ability to also teach people. Uh, I still don't think that I'm qualified to do any of it, but I'm feeling, feeling, feeling a need. I think for me, really the, the hidden gem would be being shown that there's a lot more people out there that have a brighter vision for the world than I originally thought. Uh, I can be, as you know, quite cynical and at times can be quite negative. (laughs) But yeah, running these workshops really has shone light on how many people out there really do want a healthy, more sustainable way of relating to the earth. And that's really, that's been hugely inspiring for me to, to be shown that and to be shown that, uh, that a lot of people are on, I guess, a better path forwards, no matter where they're at on that path. And I guess that's been the hidden gem is it's created a lot more of a positive outlook <laughs> on the future of the world. Yeah. Other than that, it's just nice to be around people who have similar visions and similar passions mm-hmm. and want to learn about herbs. I could talk about herbs all day. <laughs> <laughs> wild yeah. wild herbs, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not too much into the whole gardening, mm-hmm. agricultural side of things, but yeah, wild herbs are like, I could talk about them all day. Mm. Yeah, I remember us having that joke, uh, that joke years ago that... Um, you know that if, if someone's into plant medicine that that kind of gets them get they're a lot more likely to be our friends and in fact we don't really have many friends that aren't into plant medicine it's kind of like a prerequisite oh it's a friendship. huge prerequisite so, yeah <laughs> i think we've both um, made a lot of new connections through our workshops and you know something i've loved seeing in both of our workshops um but just you know focusing on yours is that like the diversity of the people coming so it's not just like the alternative your lifestyle you know earth warrior the hippies or you know like the kind of 
Yeah, most of the people that come along to look at them, you wouldn't expect them to come along to that kind of workshop. You know, a lot of the people, you get a lot of nurses. I mean, we both do, but you in mm. particular get a lot of nurses come along. Yeah, and, um, doctors. Yeah, yeah. And get people from like all kind of walks of life and, you know, a lot of people, people from all different kinds of careers and, um, and backgrounds and their and intentions for why they're wanting to come. But like, it seems like for the most part... They're all coming because they want to learn. They want. They want to be, whether or not they realize that they want to be more connected to the earth. I think a lot of people get that from coming mm. to your workshop. Is like that connection to ecology of being able to look around and um and identify medicine. You know, and having that connection to you know to what's going on around them. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I love seeing um people after the workshop and and hearing people's feedback. And yeah, I think you're doing a really good thing. Thank you. We get a lot of people from like the whole permaculture sort of world coming along because the main workshop that I teach uh, focuses on plants that are very commonly found within people's gardens, whether that be personal gardens or community gardens or even like, what is it called, like council sort of areas. Like a lot of these introduced plants are found really close to home and so yeah that is probably where a lot of the a lot of the more relevant information is found because generally speaking most people don't really want to be going out into the bush to be looking for you know herbs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so finding the things that are a lot closer to home within people's gardens that don't have to be planted and tended to they're literally wild and they grow on their own is that's where, uh, yeah, it's it's very relevant for a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't just teach, um, you know, you don't just do the foraging walks. You also do medicine making workshops, mm-hmm. tincture yeah. making workshops as well. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've only done a few of them. But, yeah, the tincture making workshop is... It's a lot more theory than practice. Uh, There's a lot of sort of heady information in it. And for me to be able to teach somebody how to make a tincture is not as simple as putting a herb in 40% vodka like most blog posts online suggest. Folk method? The folk method, yeah, which can be applied to some plants, but not all of them. And so... I go into a bit of depth. I, I keep it simple, but also go into quite a bit of depth in like what plant, figuring out what plant that you're tincturing, what it requires, what percentage alcohol it requires to actually extract the constituents in it so that you get the medicinal actions that you're wanting. And it's based on I base it on like four sort of questions that I get people to ask themselves. First of all, what what plant or I guess fungus also, what plant or fungus are you extracting? And the second question is what medicinal actions are you wanting from it? So everybody knows that herbs have particular actions that they have in the body. We've got to figure out not only what we're extracting, but what actions we're wanting from the medicine that we're making. 
And then the third question is figuring out the phytochemistry within that plant or fungus that creates those medicinal actions. So with this third question, you know, modern science or modern, uh, I guess the modern healthcare system sort of looks at things on like a really molecular level. And obviously it's the whole plant that provides its benefits. However, a bit like a little bit of understanding of the phytochemistry within the plants that provide these actions is really important to then answer the fourth question, which is what's the best best way to extract that phytochemistry that creates the actions found within that plant or fungus. And so, yeah, it's in depth, but also it's quite, it is simple. Anyone can understand it. And it's important because, you know, I see in my workshops, some people say that they've, we, we look at a plant and they say, oh, I made a tincture of that once. And you, you know, to have an effective medicinal preparation, you, you don't just go around tincturing everything or you don't just go around making a tea of everything because that you, you may not get the actions that you're wanting from that plant. So does, I know that makes sense to you. Does, does that make sense to your listeners? Hopefully. <laughs> I hope, I hope so. I think I'm rambling a little bit, but yeah. So the tincture making workshop's cool to actually understand how to make a tincture, but why we would make a tincture with a specific plant and why we wouldn't for an, another plant. Yeah. Mm. I really like making tinctures. That's what my business Innately Wild is built on, is making herbal tinctures. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, something as well... Um you know, just to take it back as well to your workshop, something I like um, about you with what you offer with your foraging walks is that uh, you have quite a, a broad um, a climatic or ecosystem kind of knowledge, you know, because you've grown up in the Mornington Peninsula. So you have quite a quite a, a lot of knowledge around um, coastal plants, you know, mm. and being in a temperate environment and spending time inland as well you know you know a lot of like um inland you know temperate climate plants and and then you know moving up here and living in the the tropics and you know learning with koa windsong which is in the the tropic tropics you know um and then but then being out living out in the savannah land yeah you know right on that that borderline past ravenshoe where it starts going subtropical and then into like arid arid subtropical climates which has again like a whole other array of of plants that are available so yeah it's 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 beautiful like you know your focus on ecology and ecosystems but you you have quite a broad um you know knowledge of different ecosystems as well so yeah just i just wanted to kind of bring it back to that point because it's i think it's a good point to know as well like knowing different ecosystems because someone might find themselves in a different place and um you know if you only just know about what's on your backyard in your backyard that you know you might be in someone else's backyard and need to know a plant about there. So, you know, I mean, people come to your workshops. I, most people are traveling a couple of hours to come to your workshops, coming from Cairns and, yeah. you know, which is a different ecosystem in itself down there yeah. than, than what it is here. And I think there's benefit in that. I think there's benefit even in, in learning your own ecology, but also just kind of getting to recognize plants in other 
ecologies too so that you know if you are someone that travels goes on holiday you know moves around nomadic you know whatever it is then you're kind of more equipped and yeah yeah definitely i think when you're someone like you and myself who everywhere we go we are so severely focused on plants like (laughs) we cannot go traveling anywhere without the focus eventually becoming about plants right so someone like us wherever we go we're going to be observing observing the ecosystem observing the ecology and what i've noticed is that because you and i really like latin names of plants and sort of understanding like taxonomy in plants we are like i noticed i noticed sorry uh different patterns in all sorts of different ecologies i'm not sure if it would be the same with rainforest and desert i've never been to a desert but just recognizing particular patterns and being able to look at a plant i know that you get this also but i can look at a plant and know that it's closely related to another plant that i know Mm -hmm. and then i can take that plant and like looking at its growth pattern or the I guess the ecology that it's in relate it to another plant that I know and figure out that they're actually very closely related and very closely um, used medicinally is that did I put that the right way they can be used for very similar things and so being really observant like observation skills in herbalism especially wild herbalism is super important it's in my eyes a lot more important than than i guess like theoretical knowledge is actually the ability to observe patterns Mm -hmm. in nature that that for me is also a huge passion of mine which i'm not going to go into now but being able to witness these patterns in nature which is relevant to a lot of different skills, but plant identification in particular. Yeah. yeah, so being able... I've identified so many plants by observing their growth pattern, noticing that they look very similar to another plant that I know, uh, taking a photo of it maybe, going home, looking in a book or look, looking online and actually figuring out that this plant not only the species, but it's closely related to this other thing that I use medicinally. So observation skills of utmost importance in my eyes. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Developing that pattern recognition and, um, and engaging all your senses as well, you know, like smelling the plant, not just observing with your eyes, but actually smelling it. You should, probably shouldn't be tasting it until you know what it is, but like, you know, engaging all the senses in that, in that pattern recognition. And, you know, cause like for me, I can pretty much identify anything in the Lamiaceae family. You know, if you kind of look at families, like, you know, the mint family or the Lamiaceae family, and it's like, well, it's got square stems, you know, the flowers are pretty well like this, and, you know, the smells aren't always the same, but if it's highly aromatic, it's like I'm starting to get some indications that it could be in the Lamiaceae family, which, you know, most of the Lamiaceae family plants I've worked with are really good for like, they're either calming or good for the nervous system or good for insomnia, you know, things like that. So, and a a carminative or, you know, um, soothing to the digestive system and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So you can start to really, you can learn a lot just by 
you know, like you're saying, just like observing a plant in a different ecology and then, and then researching it and, you know, being able to find it. And a really good resource I found for that as well is um, a book called Botany, Botany in a Day by Thomas J. Elpel. Uh, it's called Botany in a Day. Um, you know, the subtitle was like a patterns method of plant identification. And it's got mm. a, a massive um, focus, primary focus on medicinal plants. And even though it's plant families of North America, but it still kind of groups things into families, looks at their medicinal properties and teaches you ways of identifying them based on family, which, you know, understanding plant families can help us with identifying plants in other ecologies as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that, what you said. Yeah, we humans, like, pattern recognition is one of our, I think, major evolutionary uh, wins Mm -hmm. is our ability to recognise patterns and our ability to remember that a particular particular pattern or a particular shape is relevant to something else. Mm -hmm. And even... Yeah, even modern humans that are living severely disconnected lives are really good at it. Everybody knows you drive past a big golden M, they know exactly what to get there. You know, drive past a big red chicken, rooster, rooster. (laughs) Drive past a big red rooster, they know exactly what to get there. And so a lot of our pattern recognition is now unfortunately leading us to, like disconnecting us further Mm. from nature but it's still inherently there you know so yeah pattern recognition really important to develop that skill Mm -hmm. yeah i can really see the importance in that so my next question for you is um, if you could envision like the 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 future for herbal education in australia for wild plant medicine in Australia, like what would that look like? You've already talked about the importance of, you know, um, handed down information um, through through families. Um, if you could paint a picture for us of of a of an ideal world, then what would that be? Well, I just had a funny thought that instead of learning like economics and stuff like that at school, that I should have learned herbalism. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I obviously, yeah, I I would prefer a world where herbal, you know, herbalism workshops didn't have to be taught, where pieces of paper, you know, you didn't have to, like, earn a piece of paper to say that you were a herbalist and stuff like that. But really, I think intergenerational, uh, intergenerational teaching or intergenerational passing on of knowledge is exceptionally important. And really, I think herbalism should be handed down through through family lines. Um, it, to me, should really just be a part of people's a part of people's world. Is you know the grandmas or the grandpas passing on their information to their children, to their children, and then so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I think herbalism's become a bit of a like a bit of an industry. And I don't think that it has to be. I think that herbalism can just be something as humble as just a way of life that we all participate in, that is just handed down inherently because we practice it each day of our lives, because we rely on it 
for our health. And yeah, I could ramble on about that part forever. But really, I think herbalism just becoming uh, a part of our lives is exceptionally important. And it not just being like a hobby or a business, but actually a way of life to me is exceptionally important. Yeah. Yeah, the term that I use for that <clears throat> is um, like home herbalism. I love teaching home herbalism of teaching people, you know, how to just in their homes and in their daily lives work with work with plant medicine just mm-hmm. as a way of life, like mm-hmm. you say. Uh, because for the most part, the schools that teach herbalism in Australia, they're teaching practitioners. So it's kind of geared towards having students uh, teach how to like treat people as a occupation mm-hmm. as a career path um, but then there's just so much in um, you know just uh, you know and there's a place for that and there's a definite need for that we need the, the the village the village herbalists and the naturopaths and people that are specialized and and that's their they're the master of that um, but just for the average person you know the everyday person um, no matter what age or stage or walk of life to be able to have the, the basic working knowledge of like, you know, I'm bleeding to death. Okay. Stuff this plant in there or mm. I've got a bite put that plant on there or I'm getting a cold or preventing a cold or, you know, just the general kind of like first aid stuff and the general day-to-day health stuff. You know, we could be taking a lot of the burden off the medical system if we were more sufficient. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of call that home herbalism and that's where I also gear my teachings towards is, um, trying to really empower and activate that that remembrance and that knowledge in each person, you know, so that we, yeah, we're all more self sufficient like that. So yeah, I like I like the way I like the way you put it though. Oh yeah, thank you for elaborating on that because I also see the importance of specialists, people that specialize in it, and yeah, they obviously serve a really important role in society, but yeah like you say I think having our general day-to-day herbal usage being just common knowledge is exceptionally important and then maybe the people who are really really passionate being the specialists who people go to for particular things that yeah they don't know how to treat so thanks for elaborating on that yeah for any herbal specialist out there I'm not trying to (laughs) <laughs> Put you out of business. Not, no, not at, no, not at all. Definitely not. And I see the importance of it. However, I also don't think that... Sorry, I also think that humans really should just have a general knowledge of how to use a herb. Yes, I totally agree with you there. And I think that you are playing an important part of helping to bridge that gap and to help to get people back on the right track um, of re-remembering and reconnecting with the medicine that's growing all around them. So yeah, that leads me to my next question, which is what are your um, upcoming offerings, Uh, your current offerings and also your upcoming offerings for 2023 uh, through your uh, businesses and, um, and your workshops? Okay, well, I just launched my business website, www.innatelywild.com. So through Innately Wild, I make and sell wildcrafted tinctures and extracts. 
Uh, if anybody wants to go on there, they can look at... We only have, like, a small seasonal line at the moment, but I'm looking to expand a lot more next year. If anyone wants to go on and get some tinctures, that would be awesome. I'll put a link in that to, in the show notes below this um, below this episode as well. Yeah, cool. They're all they're made from Australian certified organic alcohol and spring water that I distill myself and wild crafted honey and wild different wild herbs and mushrooms. Uh, so through primal humanness, I guess my vision for that was to create a group like a starting with an online group that people shared all of their different like earth-based skills or primitive skills as people call them um, including plant identification tool making all sorts of things uh, animal hide tanning really essentially it's me running it at the moment so that is meant to be a group but for next year like i a part of my intention is to really focus on getting some cool workshops happening, whether that be me running them myself or other people. But I've got, yeah, I've got some, some visions on having like primitive fire starting tech, uh, workshops and hide tanning workshops. But also I want to expand on my, on my like plant identification and wild herbalism workshops. I don't have any dates at the moment. However, if you follow, if you go on the Primal Humanness website, which is www.primalhumanness.com, or if you go on the Primal Humanness Facebook page or Instagram, sorry, not the Instagram, still go on it, but that's not going to have upcoming workshops on it. But yeah, if you follow them, uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter and you'll be updated with like workshop dates yeah beautiful okay i'll put links to all of that everything that you just mentioned i'll put that in the show notes uh, after the interview so Mm -hmm. anyone listening to this just look below and you can see the links for primal humanness and innately wild um and for the instagram and the the mailing list and all of that Mm -hmm. um so also you got up and you did a speech at last saturday's fundraiser for the elder tree Mm -hmm. and you spoke about uh a bit about your your vision uh, and dreaming for the earth skills school Mm -hmm. um to be created within the elder tree um so yeah and i know that like a big part of that dreaming for you of creating that is bringing in other teachers Mm -hmm. you know bringing in other people from around australia potentially from around the world Mm -hmm. to share their um earth skills i mean we were calling that a primitive skills school but you know do you want to speak to a little bit about where the name change has come um and some of your ideas and maybe some of the kind of people that you might want to be bringing in there and your skills skills that will be getting taught in that space as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the term primitive skills is widely used. I, I've i used it in the past just because, you know, it's easy because people know what you're talking about when you say that. However, I don't really like the term because even though they're skills that our primitive ancestors used, a lot of them, I would argue every single one of them, are actually still relevant to modern humans, probably now more than ever, actually. <laughs> uh, so earth skills or earth-based skills I like to use rather than primitive skills and really what I mean by that is just skills general like utilitarian skills that 
require a connection to the earth and in particular to ecology to actually fulfill. So that could be something like dying with wild plants. It could be making spears. It could be natural building, you know, any number of things. Almost, I think almost everything, every skill that we actually need in life, a lot of it we can, we can practice earth-based skills through. Um, yeah, so my vision is to have, I guess, a school that teaches these things and, yeah, really just create a space where people from all over Australia or all over the world can come together to teach the things that they specialise in because there's some amazing people out there that have dedicated most, if not all, of their life to practicing a particular set of skills that these sorts of people having mentors is really important you know like even though I've learned a lot through books and a bit online that that is that does not surpass having an actual in-person mentor and I think having a space where mentors can come and gather to teach people is really important yeah. And what are some examples of those teachers like Koa, Koa Winsong? Definitely. One of them, maybe Jake Kassar. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, another one on my mind is Daniel Sainty. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of different skills, but in particular, his primitive fire making techniques are, from what I can see, like far surpass anybody else's that I know in Australia, his ability to make fire and his different techniques and tools and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, people that are really just dedicated to not just doing these things as a hobby but actually helping people to begin to utilise these skills as a way of life, not just having a skill to put put in the tool belt for rare occasions you know but actually helping everybody including myself and you to start embodying these things as a way of life rather than as a hobby mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah beautiful yeah cool okay. yeah i think that kind of really sum- sums it up it seems to be like the, the theme or the intention running through all of it is really just wanting to you know create a space where this becomes a way of life yeah for people you yeah. know um not not just a hobby not a career not i mean it might but it might be become something that's more um you know but it's, it's, it's embedded in who they are and mm-hmm. how they operate you know utilizing the plants around them and just the natural world around them to accommodate for their needs from lighting a fire to you know, skinning a hide to to having something to lay on or sit on to being able to you know like i mean there's people that build about jake kassar builds huts you know teaches people about building huts and Mm -hmm. and does like immersive survival kind of courses doesn't he where it really really gets people it's just you know living off what's around you um you know and and cole winsong does a lot of that too just that real like the sufficient earth sufficiency almost Mm. you know it's kind of like being able to survive um, and thrive like just from what's around you rather than this reliance on the modern not just the modern healthcare system but the modern just the, the modern manufactured factory made imported world you know like instead of relying on that it's actually like okay what happens you're in the bush how do you survive what do you eat what do you 
treat yourself with? How do you light a fire? How do you live? <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's true survival skills, and you know, um, and then through that, people get to have more of a connection to to the to the have more of a sense of place and purpose and belonging where they are, and get people get to have more of a sense of. Um, yeah, I suppose what what I imagine coming from that space is people feeling more of a sense of purpose, mm-hmm. um, of a, a sense of like empoweredness um, and connectedness, and um, yeah, not not having that reliance on something, having to get shipped from eBay to you know just that whole disconnected system that the modern mankind is kind of a part of. You know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes from that space from the Earth Skills school or whatever the name ends up evolving into and you know it's like the whole thing's going to be in a constantly evolving process you know we're weaving old ways but it, we are also making them relevant like you say relevant to us here and now yeah um, so yeah and also really like as well your your work um you know you've, you've spoken a lot to me about like connecting people to the elements mm-hmm. and the importance of that the importance of people being connected to to the elements um, and elemental healing and you know things like that too so yeah there's so there's so much that can be getting shared and taught in that space yeah absolutely and just to take it back to talking about it being a lifestyle you know I would I'd prefer to teach one person a year that actually embodies this as a lifestyle than teaching a thousand people that come as a little weekend thing to Mm. just come as a tourist you know i would that for me is where the true the true magic is is actually people embodying these things whether that be herbalism to different earth skills you know actually people actually embodying them as a way of life rather than just doing it because it sounds fun Mm, yeah not just like coming from a place of curiosity or just trying out the next thing but really like deeply immersive embodied environments and yeah that's going to be one of the beautiful things about the elder tree is that opportunity for people to come and and live for whether it's a month or do an apprenticeship or do a you know extended kind of live-in learning opportunities you know throughout all Mm. the different areas of, of the elder tree but i can see people you know being able to do it in a much more simple simple way in the, in the, in that earth skills kind of area people can able to come and like camp out and live you know live really um simplistically and frugally and not frugally maybe that's not the right word but being able to yeah like live that as a way of life not just a weekend experience or a, a cool rock up at nine o'clock oh that was interesting leave it for how do i you know apply this to my life you know really actually coming and being like i'm staying here for a month i'm staying here for six months mm-hmm. so i'm staying here and really going deep um deep into this and in a way that i can actually embody and then incorporate into my life and mm-hmm. stuff that actually changes people's life for the better rather than just inspires them a little bit and yeah yeah pretty exciting like what's could be potentially on offer with that that kind of thing yeah yeah don't get me wrong like inspiration is really important Mm. and Mm. you know weekend long things can can be amazing for sure however i think that yeah just there's a difference between learning a skill and actually applying a skill in your day-to-day life Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is like not just sending them home um, to go and 
work out how to embody that and integrate that into their lives but actually having like a space where people can just like learn something and then the next day do it and the next day do it and and have that guidance as well you know have that um guided space so if they don't go off and start doing it wrong (laughs) they're kind of really really deeply embedding that knowledge so it actually becomes yeah like true knowledge rather than Mm -hmm. just a fleeting thing that they forget you know 10 days later or something definitely so yeah so that's that's beautiful that's beautiful i get pretty excited when i think about that part of the elder tree and um yeah and i get excited when i think of all those people coming in you know and bringing their their knowledge and um yeah it's pretty pretty exciting times ahead so yeah thank you i'm gonna wrap it up for today and you know thank you for joining me and for sharing a bit about you know your your story and your inspirations and what your motivations and um you know your offerings and also thanks for like talking about like visioning the future and you know the world that we want to be part of creating and that we that we are being a part of creating um so yeah it's been really nice to have you here today in our hot and sweaty apothecary with all the windows open so you can't hear all the crickets and and wildlife and and kids and (laughs) everything that's going on (laughs) it's pretty hot and sweaty yeah (laughs) but yeah thanks for coming on today all good and yeah and thanks for and you know holding that torch and and representing you know so far i've had all women um on the show and i've had all uh you know university trained uh, women particularly and so you represent a certain age group certain gender but also like a certain um you know that inspiration that you don't have to be um you know trained within the system to be able to still inspire people and educate people you know like the education that can be coming from, that could be coming from us you know you could be teaching people in your workshops and they become a teacher to their children become a teacher to their communities because they'll be passing on that knowledge and yeah i think that's a really a really beautiful thing so thank you for being representing not just representing that but thanks for doing that you know thanks for having the confidence to um just go out on a limb and share what you know um and i've never seen you share like an incorrect fact or something like you're very you're still very well educated you know like you've got a massive book collection and you cross-reference all of your information and um yeah you you don't you're not just spreading misinformation which i suppose is the concern if someone does um teach from a place of not having had many in-person teachers or not having had extensive guided learning spaces you know but for you i see everything i see you share is like absolutely on point and like to the like factual to the like it's it's good information it's relevant information and it's um, the right, it's the correct, right information. So, yeah, and people get a lot from that. So thanks for everything you're doing for our community. And um, hopefully this reaches out to people in other communities and motivates them to, you know, to want to spread their knowledge as well. Because a lot of people keep it all locked up inside and don't share their gifts in the world. And, yeah, thanks for sharing your gifts. Yeah, I like to say that we humans have been herbalists for tens of thousands of years and... It's only recently that we've needed a piece of paper to prove that we're a herbalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And particularly in Australia, you know, like because yeah. you look at 
um, in America, for example, or in Europe, you know, you can learn from your, your parents or your grandparents and become a practitioner or, um, you know, or be, yeah, to be able to treat people um, and to spread, you know, but then in Australia, it's like, you know, that, that bit of paper has a lot of weight to it. And um, yeah, actually legally for dispensing herbs, you need, you need that pe- bit of paper, which is probably good. In, in a lot of ways but also it can yeah. also be kind of limiting in a lot of ways as well so yeah I see like I see how it could have some benefit however I also see the huge detriment mm-hmm. that it has yeah mm-hmm. school of life man yeah school of life <laughs> nice great well have a beautiful day you too and um yeah thanks for joining me here Thank you so much for listening to the Herbal Education segment of the Elder Tree Podcast. Stay tuned every new moon as I interview amazing and inspiring herbal educators from around Australia. To find out more about the Elder Tree, you can go to our website, which is theeldertree.org. And through our website, you can subscribe to our mailing list. You can also follow our journey on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you again so much and have a most wonderful day.